The Swain Event Podcast is driven by Beatty Chevrolet. For your new and pre-owned vehicle shopping needs, visit BeattyChevrolet.com. Deep down the middle, has got his man, and he's gone. Jason Swain, touchdown. It's time for the Swain Event with your host, Jason Swain. My man. Real sports talk for the real sports fan. All you chumps are going to bow when I whoop him. It's time for the Swain Event, fueled by Dead End Barbecue. Get into his house and a red flag. Event, SwainEvent.com, fueled by Dead End Barbecue, top 100 barbecue restaurant in America, 865-255-03 is our hotline number. Glad that you are with us this morning. Ben McKee, fresh off a birthday yesterday. Good morning, sir. Good morning. How are you? Man, any better, it'd be illegal. I'm good to go, man. Good to go. Fall weather outside this morning. Woke up this morning. A big time week this week in college football, especially for for Tennessee fans, SEC fans. Man, it's good to be here to talk about it. So, uh, happy birthday to you again. It was good to see you uh, yesterday evening at a dead end barbecue. It was not planned at all. Uh, I was planning on taking my daughter to cross country uh, up in Sevierville, and um, traffic said nope. So we turned around, and I said, well. How could I make it up? What do you want to do? I know you're super excited about going and, and participating across the country and competing. What do you want to do, baby girl? She says, I want to go dead in barbecue for dinner. I said, okay, let's let's do it. So we went to dead in barbecue. I pull up and I see Ben's ride. I, said, I, know, I know that ain't who I think it is. I know that ain't who I think it is. And I saw Ben in there with his beautiful family and um and we broke bread together uh was not planned but man it was right on time so it was good to see you and your family there daddy and barbecue uh there's a lot to get to ben so i won't bore people with um our our stories even though folks you need to get to daddy and barbecue man those those burn-ins was on point uh yesterday both tables had couple orders of, of, of burn-ins uh it was really 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 good so dead end barbecue dead end is the website for all your catering needs as well it is tuesday of the florida week it is the first day f- back for us uh, after tennessee got the win over austin p um i know a lot of people are not necessarily thrilled about the performance as you should not be. We understand the type of level of play you got to have as you enter SEC play. Um, but at the same time, Tennessee is 2-0. There's a lot of other programs inside of the conference that's that's not 2-0. And I understand that they've probably played some better competition, but the record is a record. And here we are with the opportunity to play a better football team to open up conference play in the Florida Gators. A lot of Things have to be corrected. There's a lot of things that are good. The bowl of the story, there's a lot of things (laughs) that you have to make sure that 
um, you cross your T's and you dot your I's on when you're playing this game of football. And this is, I think, something I need to bring up, Ben. There's a lot of people that love football. They love it. But do you understand it? Do you understand the game? You can love it, but do you understand it? Here's my point. Do you do you know and understand that football is the ultimate team game? 11 guys on one side of the football. And there's times when one person messes up or even two people mess up and the play's still successful. But there's also other times when only one person not doing their job can mess up the whole play. And if you need an example, last night, the New York Jets were featured on Hard Knocks this football season, and their coach, Robert Sala, lit the team up in one episode because, quite frankly, they wasn't blocking right. You got all these pieces on your football team, but the offensive line was suspect. And the coach challenged the offensive line. Let them know that we're not going anywhere unless it's because of of y'all stepping up and playing to the level that you're capable of playing at. First game of the season, Ben. What happened last night? Aaron Rodgers goes down. Achilles injury. One guy didn't do his job ultimate game so i'll bring that up ben i'm gonna shut up but i'll bring that up because there's a lot of finger pointing so to one person on tennessee squad my question to you do you understand that it ain't just one person it ain't just one person there may be one person on one play but it's another person on a different play and then another person on a different play Football's the ultimate team game. It ain't tennis. It ain't golf. It's the ultimate team game. Ben, your um, your overall thoughts on how you feeling normally on Tuesdays on the old Swain event, man. We're moving on to the next game, but this is the first day for us back since the game. But your your thoughts on, on Tuesday uh, as we spend some time here a little bit before we move on and uh, get up in this Florida-Tennessee matchup. Well, first, uh, I would like to know, I would love to know the assignments of the offense on the play that Aaron Rodgers got hurt because you heard, you heard I watched the regular broadcast, but, of course, the Manning cast broadcast, all those clips, they make it to social media. Uh, they They were questioning were the Jets doing what they were supposed to or – if they were on the same page because those tackles kept cut blocking and Aaron Rodgers kept doing three step drops. And, and usually when your tackles are, are cut blocking and you're doing a three step drop, that ball's got to come out quick okay, and the ball wasn't coming out quick. So I, I, I wonder who was off there. What was, was it Rodgers holding on to the ball when he wasn't supposed to by the play design or were the tackles cut blocking when they weren't supposed to? Uh, because earlier, before the play that Aaron Rodgers got hurt on, it was the right tackle, Becton, that cut block his edge defender, but the edge defender did not 
go all the way to the ground and was able to stay on his feet and pressure Rodgers out of the pocket and and Rodgers had to heave one deep out of out of play. So I, I would be real curious to know the assignments early in that game and and kind of what went wrong there because it did lead to Aaron Rodgers' injury, which is really unfortunate. I know a lot of people are out on Aaron Rodgers. I watched Hard Knocks and found him very, very likable, very likable. And I was excited to watch the Jets play this season. And, and for all my Hard Knocks watchers out there, we all loved seeing Xavier Gibson take that punt back to the house to to win the game in, in walk-off fashion. An undrafted free agent makes his way onto the team. And in his first game on Monday Night Football against the Buffalo Bills, who have been really good the last several years, divisional rival, takes it to the house in overtime to win the game. That was really, really cool. Um, but with this Tennessee Austin P game, I mean, it was certainly disappointing. Uh, and I think the passing game is overshadowing the rest of the team effort. I thought uh, the defense played really well, maybe outside of the secondary. The secondary was more of a mixed bag of results uh, because you did have some positives there, but you also had some negatives and 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 some old demons kind of creep up and, and show their old ways there in the secondary. But this defensive front continues to wreck shop, and, and that's a huge positive going into this Florida game where I think that position, that unit, is going to be very, very key to winning this football game. Uh, the offensive line continues to protect as as well for the most part, continues to open up holes in the running game. And even the running game continued to to play really well. It's two games in. It's a small sample size, but they're busting off eight, nine yards a carry, and you'll take that all day long. So there, there's still a lot of good. You know, Jackson Ross looked better. Uh, Charles Campbell got in and, and was able to make some kicks. Special teams looked much better than it did week one. So a lot of positives to take away, but it certainly feels like this passing attack is is overshadowing the 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 team effort per se, because there were a lot of positives to take away, I thought. It's just this one big negative seems to be making up the the headline and, and taking away from everything else. And and within that passing unit, I, I thought Joe probably played his worst game since he became new Joe, so to speak. We, we kind of referred to old Joe as the 2021 season, and then new Joe began the 2022 season. And since we've seen new Joe to start that 22 season, that was the first time that we had kind of seen old Joe to where his throw was behind a receiver, above a receiver, too high to bring down, maybe a little too far out in front. And I'm not putting it all on Joe, but that was the first time, in my opinion, that we had seen Joe not be as accurate as he had had displayed in his last several outings since the start of the 2022 season. But there's no doubt that the receivers have to step up and, and catch some of those footballs as well. I thought Josh Heupel described it greatly on Monday and after the game. Like You just got to step up and make a play. Not everything's going to be picture perfect. The elements to make a play aren't always going to be perfect, but you still got to find a way to make the play and, and help your quarterback out. So uh, there, there's a lot of fault on, on a lot of people in the passing game right now, just, not just one guy, but the I mean, point-blank period story of it is that they've got to find a way to hit those open shots over the middle of the field because I don't think defenses are going to allow Joe to just sit back and, and launch the football. I think they're going to make him prove that he is accurate with the football and hit those intermediate throws on a consistent basis. So when Tennessee has the football, um, the ideal position that I want to be in on the sideline, um, you know, reporting for the game, is behind the opposing defense. So I like to stand opposite of where we are 
so I can look at the back angle of of our defense of the defense we're going up against. And the reason why is because I want to see coverage. I want to see if they're playing one high, two high. I want to see how the corners are playing. I want to see their inside leverage, outside leverage. I want to see the linebackers. Like I want to, I want to see that that angle, which you hear many people refer to as the all twenty two angle. They want to see the all twenty two video, which shows the sideline and the end zone. So I try to stand in a place where it's a little bit of both because I want to see coverage. And while standing back there, I recognize some too high safety looks that Austin P was giving us. And I understand something. This is how college football works. This is how football works. When a team gives you a look and you are not exposing that look and having success against that look, the next week you're going to see that look again. This is the way it works. Well, Virginia plays some too high. Too high safety. Austin P plays some too high safety. And what that does is it minimizes big play opportunities offensively down the down the field in the passing game. Now, can you still make plays in the passing game? Absolutely. You send three verticals and you basically have three versus two because it's the safeties. If you have someone going out in the flats to hold those corners, you still can hit cover two in the middle of the football field and either sideline. But cover two is normally played to minimize the big play. Well, first pass, Brew had the end-breaking cut. Looks like a dig to me. Versus cover two, there's two windows. It's the first window when you make that cut in between the outside linebacker or whoever's playing in that area and um, that corner, that there's a hole right there. And that's the first hole, the first window where the ball was thrown by Joe Milton. Sometimes when you run dig routes, you want that throw to be out in front, keep the receiver on the run. Versus zone, sometimes it's not a good idea <laughs> because you're going you're gonna to run into a problem. You're going to run to a brick wall versus zone. So in zone, sometimes your routes, you want those routes to throttle down a little bit. You want to slow down and kind of settle in a particular hole. Well, that was a perfect opportunity to do that. And was the pass right on the numbers? No, but that's okay. You want sometimes the ball to settle you down and keep you away from running into a blow-up. The point is, Damn ball should have been caught. Okay? That's not on Milton. Milton had a scrambling uh, play a little bit later where he was going to his left, hit Thord on the sideline. It was a perfect throw. It was probably Milton's best throw of the day. Hard throw to make. And that ball was dropped. Uh, There were some different drops where the ball's a little bit on the back shoulder, a little bit back on the back hip. Hit your hands. You got to catch them. There's other times when when Joe was inaccurate, throwing the ball behind guys or too high. Uh, you have to know your personnel. Squirrels is not Brew. Squirrels is not Thornton. So you can't throw high balls, especially across the middle, that will get tipped. And uh, luckily, there was no interceptions. So you had those. So you had receivers drops. You had Joe being inaccurate. Then here's the third one. 
protection. So I've been racking my brain trying to figure out why no deep shots. What like why not more deep shots? Excuse me, in the first two games, and like I've heard the <laughs> some of the some of the theories out here. Well, you trying to save the trying to save the good stuff. You know, you want to go vanilla. Guys, we're talking about a go route. That's that's not that's not that serious. That's not anything worth hiding. Now, if you want to hide some switch routes and some crazy funky formations and some things like that, that's fine. Combination about a, about a receivers. Uh, that's something that's not seen on every game film for Tennessee. Okay, that's cool. But we're talking go routes. That ain't nothing to hide. That's that's simple. Why are we not doing more of them? Well, I came up with a couple different reasons. Number one, which is what I think is the reason, is protection. Number two, the confidence in actually doing it. Maybe no confidence throwing it. Maybe no confidence catching it. That's the only reason I have. Because as an offensive coordinator, as an offensive you know, philosophy, you want to have explosive plays. Like, you want splash plays. You don't want to f- go down and have a drive of 17 plays because it's hard to do that without a penalty or or some type of negative play. So you want explosive plays. And you get those in a running game, but you also get those in a passing game too. So you want explosive plays. And we're not taking deep shots in the first two games. I think we're going to have to take them in – third game against Florida 100% um, to be successful on offense. We saw explosive plays being made last year versus Florida. And we saw some switch routes being ran against Florida. Bruce McCoy is up the sideline um, going towards the south end zone for a big game last year. So these are all things you continue to work out at the beginning of the season. It ain't all on Joe Milton. It's not. He didn't play his best game. He's going to have to play a whole lot better this weekend. But it's not all all on Joe Milton. Let's stop being lazy. Let's stop being simple. Let's say, you know what? Football's the ultimate team game. There's 11 dudes who has a job. It can't just be all on one dude. So if we're going to highlight how Joe needs to play better, let's highlight how everybody else needs to play better too. And if you don't know, then ask somebody. If you don't want to ask anybody, shut up. Simple as that. Let's not blame one person. We've, we've done this too many times. We, we, like we had Casey Clawson here this weekend. We did this when Casey was quarterback. We did this when Dobbs was a quarterback. It's not one person. It's not all on one guy. It's about 11 guys doing their job as one. 865-255-03. My man Ben McKee, Go Vols 247. How old are you now, Ben? My, my girls asked... It was like, is Ben 30? I was like, I don't know. No, I, I've still got two more years before I'm 30. I'm 28. 28. 28. My girls is wondering. I'm close. You feel you feel a little certain way that my kids thought you were two years older than what you are? No, uh, especially since I practically don't have hair. I mean, I, I look probably older than I actually am, but... <laughs> Uh, no, I, I don't blame people for thinking that. But I am at the age where 
you, you, you start thinking about more things when, when your birthday comes around. I understand, man. I understand. 865-255-03. I'm live in the Low T Center studio. Hit us up on the Beatty Chevrolet text box. We will come back with more of the Swain event after this. Hey, Knoxville, we all know the importance of mental health. Most people don't have regular mental health care. They often wait. Let's change that. Isn't it time we all consider our mental health as important as our physical health? If you are ready, Mind Body Wellness in Knoxville can help you design a plan for your mental wellness. We are accessible, affordable, and available. You are worth it. Visit MindBodyKnoxville.com to schedule a mental wellness assessment today. When you are craving some quality barbecue, there's only one place to go, Dead End Barbecue. Dead End Barbecue has been featured on ESPN's Taste of the Town, the first barbecue restaurant on the SEC Network, CBS Sports, Headline News Tailgate Show, Amazon Prime's The Restaurant Comeback, Food Paradise, and named one of the top 100 barbecue restaurants in America. The search is over. Dead End Barbecue is located on 3621 Sutherland Avenue right here in Knoxville. You can even have it delivered right to your door through Chow Now. Visit their website at deadendbbq.com. Dead End Barbecue. The search is over. Hey, Vol Nation. This is Charlie Pratt, financial representative with Modern Woodman and MWA Financial Services. Modern Woodman has been touching lives and securing futures for 140 years. Being born and raised here in East Tennessee, I'm honored to help East Tennesseans in all phases of life with retirement planning, investments, and life insurance. A big win on Saturday starts with preparation early in the week. A secure financial future starts with planning today. Contact my office today at 865-919-6468 to review your financial plan and make sure you are on track for success. As always, go Vols. Registered representative and investment advisor, representative offering securities and advisory services through NWA Financial Services, Inc., a wholly owned subsidiary of Modern Woodman of America, member of INCRA, SIPC. Good morning, Swain Event family. Take a deep breath in and release. We're all back together in the AM and life is good. If you have real estate needs, just give me a call, Jennifer Morris at 865-257-7897 or email me at jennifermorris865 at gmail.com and go Vols. Just because you can't call in doesn't mean that you have to sit on the sideline. Impact the show with a text box. It's part of the free Swain Event app. SwainEvent.com, fueled by Dead End Barbecue. The text box is active this morning. Betty Chevrolet text box. Uh, right now, Betty Chevrolet and BettyChevrolet.com. There's a pre-owned sale going on. Right now, Betty, 9615 Parkside Drive. 50 trucks pre-owned. 40 SUVs pre-owned starting at 19995 That is Betty Chevrolet and BettyChevrolet.com. Ben McKee, go Vols 247. Yo, I've got two questions for you based off of everything you brought up last segment. Okay. Uh, the first, I, I was going to ask you about that first throw that you brought up between Joe and, and Brew. Uh, Patrick Brown and I were talking in the press box. It, it looked like Joe was expecting Brew to sit and settle in that zone like you described and and. So you do think that Joe was was looking for Brew to settle there in, in kind of the middle of that pocket? Um, I can see 
how Joe could expect the receiver not to necessarily settle, but not to blast through those two zones, those two holes. Like you, you, you want to come in there controlled. Um, now, when it's man, and this is why it's important to to kind of understand football a little bit, because you can run a dig route, and they ran five different ways depending on the defense. Versus man, you're going to run that thing a whole lot differently because you're going to sprint because you're running away from the defender. And you can cut inside the DB. You can cut around them. There's just so many different ways to run run that dig route, that in-breaker route. But versus cover two, because there's a different way you want to run it versus cover three, um, and maybe even a different way to run it versus quarters. But like versus cover two, there's a hole. As soon as you break, boom, there's a hole right there. And then if that window is not open, there's another hole on the other side of that linebacker where it's more in the middle uh, of the football field or, in this case, um, lining up with the, the, the center, more over the center, about 15 yards uh, down the football field. So that's why I just don't point the finger at one, at one dude um, in this particular situation, could the throw be better? Yeah, sure. But like your job, your job as a wide receiver is to catch the ball. And when it hits both hands, you're supposed to catch it. And it ain't going to be perfect all the time. It ain't the jug machine where you sit in front of the jugs and the ball is the machine and hits you right in the hands, right in the chest, 100 times at the same speed every time. You can set it to do that. But that's not realistic. It's not. So when I used to catch jug machines, I used to catch about 25 or so like that. But the rest of those catches were all bad catches. I was working on the bad catches because you can, anybody can catch good balls. That's easy. But you're working on the jug machines to work on catching the bad balls. So you catch all of them. So I used to turn to one side and I would position my body to where the ball was on my back shoulder and my back hip. So I would turn like this. The jug machines would come this way. And I, and the ball would come. And it would go back shoulder. A little bit high, back shoulder. So I would work on flipping my hips, getting my eyes around, and catching this way. And then I would lower the jug machines a little bit to where it's, it's a little bit lower. Or I would just step back five yards. And then I would work on balls going a little bit lower and hitting my back hip. So I would catch on my back hip. And then I would work on low balls. So, like, the jug machines are for you to work on bad balls, in my opinion. You can sit there and catch 2,000 balls without any drops, and they'll be perfect. But you're not going to get those in a game because in a game, guys will be hanging on you. You might slip. Quarterback is thrown into you while he's getting hit himself. He might slip. Like, this is all the things that can go on in a football game. But if your job as a wide receiver is to catch it. And if I feel like it hits both hands, you should catch it. And we've had too many drops like that. So um, I'm not pointing finger at Joe on, on that particular throw at all. Um, I think this is a surprise to us because we came into the season feeling like our wide receiver group was one of the strengths. And right now, we are not. Actually, one of the 
weaknesses right now. And so we got to flip the switch. We got to get better. We're better than what we've shown in two games. Uh, we got to be better with our blocking, getting our elbows in, uh, moving our feet. Uh, we got to be better when, when we catch the ball and getting upfield and making plays, securing the ball. We just got to be better. As simple as that. But here's the great thing about, about life. Like, you, you, can, you can do something about it. Like, you can get better the next opportunity and go on the rest of the season playing at a high level. Saturday shouldn't define this receiver group. It shouldn't. It should wake you up and understand that all the details matter. And these guys should be challenging each other. Like, vocal, challenging each other, pushing each other, holding each other accountable. If you do that, the group will be better. But long answer to your question. All right, what's the second question? How does a too high safety look change the possibility of a deep ball being completed? Does that make it significantly more difficult to complete? Do, do you really believe, because Tennessee's been preaching that they've been taking what they've been given, and that's perfectly okay. Yeah. But what you supposed to do? surely there's been an opportunity or two to take advantage of, of a play down the field. Does does a two-high safety look, because it does feel like that's what they've gotten most of the time from Virginia and, and Austin P. And, and I really do believe opposing coordinators are, are trying to make Joe prove that he is accurate with the football. That's what I would do if I was a defensive coordinator. Yeah, We know Joe can throw it 100 miles <laughs> down the field, yeah. but can he make those intermediate throws that – Tennessee's passing game as a whole could not complete against Austin P. That that's what I would make them try to do against my defense. Yeah. So does a too high safety look completely change the possibility of completing a deep ball down the field? It makes it a little bit more difficult. So does it change it? Yeah, yeah. But like you still could can have success. So I'm going to walk you through this. And I'm glad you asked that question. So we, when you have a too high look, um, a couple things can happen with your corners. So your too high look is probably going to be your, your two safeties. So a couple things can happen with your corners. Your corners can play inside technique and place a man. And typically this happens when you're playing against a quarterback who is not mobile. Miami used to do this all the time in the early 2000s. They would play... Two-man, Sean Taylor over the top, and they front four would just dominate and get to the quarterback, and then the corners would just trail and sit on the, the hip of receivers. And that's why the defense was so stout. So when you're receiving, you're lining up, and you see two safeties, a couple of things you need to be thinking about. You need to look at the corner first, the safeties and the, the linebacker. Look at that triangle, and then you get a picture of what is possibly going to happen. If the corner's playing you inside technique, there's a chance there's a two-man. And if you have a certain route with the guy playing you inside, that's going to change how you run that route. So you better have a plan to create that separation. If a corner is playing you more head up or he's playing you more outside, meaning you're lining up and his inside foot is lined up with your up foot, chances are he's playing you outside technique because his outside foot is on the outside of your body. Well, when you play to cover two, the corner's job, the corner's job 
is to try to funnel you inside. Okay? Try to funnel you inside. And if you take a little time with the line of scrimmage on your release and then you go outside, then the DB coach probably is not going to be too upset at that corner. But if you, on the snap of the football, just immediately are able to go outside, that's not what the defense wants because now you're putting pressure on the safeties. So let's say that happens on one side. The receiver goes immediately outside, boom. Corner doesn't touch him, anything. And let's say the same thing happens on the other side. So you get two receivers to get a quick, clean release to the outside. Now you have two receivers running verticals. And then you have two safeties who are on the hash that have to guard those two verticals. Typically, versus cover two, you want to send someone up the middle. This could be a tight end. This could be a slot receiver. Hell, it could even be a running back. So now you send someone up the middle. And that's why I said earlier in the show, you create three-on-two matchups. It's like a fast-breaking basketball. You have three-on-two. So you have two safeties going deep, covering the half of the football field, and then you have someone in the middle. It could be a slot, tight end. It could be running running back. Now it's the job of the quarterback to pick your poison and deliver the football uh, with accuracy. We can do that. Like, you still could throw the ball versus cover two, but what happens is when you when you have two high safeties, it makes it desirable to run the football because that safety is is high. He's not in the box. He's not offering run support. So the numbers tell you we need to run the football. We got to run the football here. It's too high safety. We got to run it. And I'm okay with this offense running the football. I, I think right now the the running game is is better than than the passing attack. I, I fully would lean on this rushing attack right now. I, I think they are playing really, really well, especially uh, the the backs. And, and you know, Swain, I know we're talking about the deep ball, but even those intermediate throws that Tennessee missed against Austin P, that they may not be the deep Jalen Hyatt touchdown on a go route or, or the Javante Payton special. But if you hit those plays over the middle of the field, at minimum, that's a 15 to 20 yard gain. That, that's a big play right there. It may, it may not be as explosive, but it's a big chunk play if you get 15, 20, 25 yards. And then if you're able to make a guy miss or two, then all of a sudden get some yak on it, yards after catch, and it, and it really turns into a big play. So, And if you continue to hit on those intermediate plays over the middle of the field that Josh Heupel spoke to, spoke about after the game that they need to hit like that opens up everything else then all of a sudden they may not play too high as as frequently as they are they, they may not bring as much at the line of scrimmage to try to get to joe they may drop somebody extra in, in coverage and then at that point you can even run the ball more successfully so they, they've got to find a way to to take advantage of of the middle of the field which leads me to my next question i'm, I'm peppering you here and, and this was from a, a good message uh, on the text box as well from Fanatic Vol. Uh, Swain, how easily can the timing on these late throws over the middle be fixed in season? Also, do you think it could be that Joe is processing just a second too slow? It, it's weird to me to to add on to Fanatic's, Fanatic Vol's main question about how easily can the timing on these throws over the middle be fixed in season. It's weird to me that it even needs to quote-unquote be fixed 
because I know Joe hasn't started a ton of games, but Joe's this is Joe's third year. This is Bruce's second year. This is Squirrel's second year. This is Ramel's third year with Joe. Dante's really the only new one. Like I'm a little surprised that there there's not better timing right now. And and maybe it goes back to the receivers being held out uh during fall camp. Brian Hunsucker says, I bet next year Hypel doesn't hold the receivers out of scrimmages. And I asked Josh Heupel after the game on Saturday if he thought holding the receivers out maybe is affecting the timing here early in the season. He he said no. I don't know that I believe him. I, I think it's hard not to look at uh, the receivers and and the passing game being just a tick off and not think that, okay, maybe if they got some more reps in during fall camp, then, then maybe they, they wouldn't be rusty out of the gate. So, is this something that can can kind of the, the the switch be flipped on and it just automatically start working kind of out of nowhere? It can be fixed. I mean, it takes quarterback receivers getting in a room though and having a conversation. Like, well, apparently they did that on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, I, I I've done this with quarterbacks. Like I've done this with Casey. I've done this with Rick. I've done this with Ainge, where you sit down and how he sees it. He's sharing with me how he sees it. I'm sharing with him how I see it. He's telling me what he wants me to do. And I'm saying, okay, yes, sir. Because <laughs> I want that ball. So if you're telling me, and I remember having a conversation with the quarterback that was telling me, hey, man, versus cover two, you were in that dig route, kind of settled in, settled it down, almost like a curl route. Okay. Yes, sir. <laughs> Anything else, sir? I mean, Rick telling me, hey, man, those go routes, you know, when you're running uh, those go routes, quick release, don't don't look for the ball 40 yards down the field. Let's, man, look, I'm going to throw it quick. I'm going to throw it quick. So be looking on, be looking now. Yes, sir. Okay. Get in the film room with your quarterbacks. Get in the film room with your receivers. Y'all talk it out. Get on the same page. That's all it takes. All right, let me get to the phones. 865-255-03. Good morning. Who do we oh, have yeah. with us? Oh, yeah. I'm the first caller. What it do? What's going on, Tremel? How y'all doing, fellas? Good, man. Good, man. Man, it was, it was a little scary weekend, man. I'd rather have that game right now than any time against Florida. So, got a team meeting, whatever, whatnot. <clears throat> but, uh, um, like I was saying, so teams are probably going to have the two safeties high, so the middle of the field. He just taught me so much. Man, I'm gonna have to pick your brain, bro, because you know I'm down here coaching, coaching. Uh, you know I'm coaching, so and uh, I didn't come up with some plays, plays and stuff too, man. Uh, I got a couple plays that I'd be attacking cover too with because there's a lot of teams that play uh too high safety when you got all those receivers out there, man. I've been I've been killing them. It's like, man, I've been I ain't gonna say that. Hit anyway, me up. Hit me uh, up. <laughs> um, so with the with the with the receivers not playing in the in the um in the spring games and we're kind of seeing kind of seeing some of the, the first two scrimmages, Jamel. Well, yeah, the scrimmages, yeah. Um, why why uh has the game become so fast that because I mean we're looking at the same thing happening in the NFL, right? This was a crazy week for quarterbacks. You know what I'm saying? Uh, some of the top quarterbacks looking kind of sluggish because they didn't play in pre. I feel like it's because they didn't play in the preseason. I feel like the game is getting even more quicker. So 
do you do you think that 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 timing and stuff that that's happening with the receivers? Do you believe that it'll be a easier fix? You know what I'm saying? Than trying to change things up because they're going to be the two high safeties. So we're going to probably have to use the middle of the field more. And then, I mean, like you were saying, like you were saying, being with that three-headed monster, Samson, right? And, and uh, Small, man, uh, man, just keep feeding him as the offensive line. Because, I mean, I, it looked like on some of the pass plays, the tackles, uh, they held up most of the time. Um, and I don't know if that was the issue. But um, what do y'all think? Is, is, gonna, is it going to be a hard fix? Because, I mean, a lot of it was dropped. I mean, you know what I'm saying? A lot of people were saying that Joe kind of lost his kind of his mojo once the drop started happening. I kind of seen that, too. He kind of seemed a little timid after after a while. Did y'all get that same feeling? I mean, it's, it's, it's natural, Tramiel. And uh, okay. man, hit me up, Tramiel. I'll, I'll help you out with that. Um, some plays or some concepts to attack cover, too. Uh, I'll answer that right now, man. Thanks so much for the phone call. Good to hear from you. But... Um, that's the thing, though. If you wide receiver, and if the ball's not perfect, and you and you catch it, man, that quarterback is gonna have more confidence in you. He's gonna come to you more. He's gonna throw you a better ball next time. But if he comes to you and you drop it, his his confidence will, will drop a little bit. Now he's gonna come back to you because that's important for you to build that confidence. It's like uh, a three-point shooter misses a shot. Well, we're going to come right back to you, man. Keep shooting, you're open, because you're going to break that glass and you're going to start making shots. Well, if, I, if a receiver drop it, I got to come back to you. And, and that's what happened in the Virginia game. Romero dropped a deep ball. Joe came right back to him. I think it was a curl route. He caught the ball, made a guy miss, picked up some good yardage. So you come back to him. Um, th- This is fixable, guys. And like, there's a there's a reason why the play was unsuccessful, but it's not a play to where we have to overanalyze it. It really comes down to just make a damn play, man. Like, make a play, make plays. Like, we can draw it up for you, but we can't catch it for you. We can't block it for you. We can't throw it for you. Make a play in basketball. We can we can run you off triple screens. And get you a wide open look. If the if the player misses a shot, it ain't because of the offense is not working. It's because dude didn't make a play. He didn't make it. He didn't make it. Make a play. It really comes down to that. It's not rocket science. And I think we live in an age where everyone has the podcast. Everyone has a blog. Everyone's on social media. And now everyone has a voice and people are trying to like, Break it down so much to where it's like it ain't damn that serious. Make a play. He's <laughs> really that serious. Simple. Sometimes it's that simple. Make a play. Eight six five two hundred fifty five zero three. Let me get back to the phones this morning. Who we got with us? Hey Jason, it's Rusty. Hey Rusty, what's up, man? Good morning. Oh, good morning to you, man. Um, being you too, buddy. Um, moaning. Couple things, philosophy wise. I'm wondering if teams are going to do more of what 
what we've seen and the lack of deep shots. And I don't know if it's partially we're not scheming up as much stuff the first two weeks, which I think that's part of it. We've been scrimmaging a little bit for two weeks. We're not scheming up any plays where we just get somebody open by 30 yards in some some area of the field that just makes no sense for them to be wide open like we've seen a billion times in this offense. I feel like we're not doing any of that, but but philosophy-wise, I feel like teams are going to do some things to us, and I want your opinion on this. There, I, I want to talk about the run game just a hair and then about the passing game. I think teams have decided they would rather play cover two and almost cover four and just drop guys 25, 30 yards deep and you're not going to throw over the top on us, and they're going to allow us to run 6, 12, 15 yards, and then they're just going to try to defend us in the red zone when the deep shot's not part of our offense. I feel like maybe that's the philosophy. They're going to let us go down the field 20-20 all we want, and they're going to try to take away the deep shots. Do you believe teams are doing that? I would do that. I would play as two high safeties, and uh, I would try to make Joe be accurate with the football and, and – I mean, I would, I would have done that with Hendon too. I mean, you do that with any quarterback. Yeah, right? I would have too. Yeah, like you, don't, you, don't, you don't want to give a quarterback single safeties if you can't, if if you can help it. The problem is when you go two high safeties, you should be able to run the football if you're on the offense. Right. But yeah, like, and, and and one of the major stats that that stood out in the game from Saturday is in the red zone we were five out of six, but we were two out of six scoring touchdowns. And yeah, yep. like that's that's an issue. That that's something we have to clean up. We got to score touchdowns in the red zone. It can't yep. be field goals. Yep. I, I feel like the arrogant teams like Saban, they're not okay letting you run six, seven, eight, twelve yards a pop down the field on you and then defend you in the red zone. That's why we hit so many balls over the top on them. Some of the some of the teams that feel like they have as good or better athletes, they're like, you know what, we're still going to play single high. We're still going to play. We're going to man you up and make you just be this one on one. Okay, fine. And we'll we'll beat most of those teams deep a lot. But teams that are lesser, they're going to back way off and say beat us in the red zone, which is what I would do. And I would have done the same same thing. I would have done it with Hooker. I'd have done it with whoever. You got to beat me when the field shrinks. Yeah, exactly. I'll let you get inside my twenty anytime you want to, but I'm going to make you kick field goals. Exactly. I, and I think that's what AP's plan was the other day. They either dropped eight, and I mean dropped deep, or they brought eight and said you don't have time to throw it deep, and you got to throw a bubble, or you got to try to run at it. Um, I know we do the thing where we run it on first a lot, and then if that play's successful, we run the Xerox play. We we just do it again um, on second down, and I think six times I counted when I went back and watched, we gained seven yards or more on first down. And then on second, tried to do it really fast again and lost yardage six times because they, I guess, AP just knew that we do that. And as soon as it got to that second down, and we were snapping it fast. They were they were a gap run blitzing just and tackling tackling us in the backfield. Any thoughts? Do you be, any thoughts? Do you believe that we're gonna we we? I kept thinking if we would just on second down one time run the quarterback sweep that we ran against Clemson a couple times with Joe having a couple of lead blockers running wide, he, he, he might've hit his head on the goalpost or on, on the flag, you know, running wide. Cause they were just a gap blitzing, a gap blitzing on that second down play. Again, do you believe that was more of a scrimmage thing where we, we weren't doing anything exotic in our run game on that? Or was it somebody's figured this out a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I think you give credit to Austin P first, and then uh, you know you look at the film and you say, "All right, well, let's be prepared to do something different." Um, you know, second down, and there's 
so many things you could do. I think you got to be careful with running the ball with Joe. There was a time when he got up a, a little slow uh, when he ran on the yeah. quarterback draw. And so uh, there was talk before the game about Nico Yamaliava's uh, availability. Um, so right. you just got to be careful. I mean, remember, Hendon got beat up in this game really bad last year versus Florida uh, because he ran him and he scrambled and, 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 and ran himself. So um, Joe's legs, they're a weapon. You can't not run him, but you do have to be careful with running him um, and be kind of picky and choosy about when, when you do it. Um, but, yeah, I was I was going to ask you, actually, that was my last thing was, do you feel like we are trying to limit Joe's running? Um, and do you think, I, I don't love quarterback, I mean, I, I know we scored our first touchdown on the quarterback draw, and I guess the red zone or inside the 10, it's maybe a little safer because the goal line's right there, and if you spread them out, you're probably not even going to get any contact. But I feel like, the running wide stuff, he can at least just run out of bounds and avoid avoid more contact not running in the middle of the field at the teeth of the defense. I mean, and so, do you feel like there's – go ahead, I'm sorry. That sounds good, but, I mean, the quickest way from point A to point B is straight line. Straight. So, yeah, man. Yeah. It, it, I love the draw. I mean, I absolutely love it. There was nobody around them and, hey. Oh, yeah, that, that was beautiful. Like I said, inside the 10, I just feel like – in the middle, if you're on the 40 yard line and you run it, there's a pretty good chance you're going to, near the quarterback, you're going to run into some linebackers and safeties pretty quickly. Get what you and can. That, you know, get what yeah. you can to get in. And, 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 you know, feet first, Ozzie Smith, it goes slide into second base. Yeah. Get, get what, quick. Get what you can, uh, Rusty. Thanks for the phone call. If it's third down and it's eight, go get eight, get down. If it's fourth down and, and five, go get five, get down. Like, Go pick up the first down, but get down. But it, hey, if it's if it's wide open, and you can get more. Go get more. Just gotta be smart. That's all. Just gotta be smart. But you have to use Joe's legs because it is a weapon. You, again, you just have to be very strategic about when you use it, and you don't want to overuse him because you don't want him to get hurt. Eight six five two hundred fifty five zero three. Good question though. From Tramel and, and Rusty, and obviously Ben, who is the, a professional question asker. 865-255-03. We'll go back to the phones. We'll go back to the text box. You listen to the Swain event fueled by Daddy and Barbecue. You're listening to the Swain event. And you know this, man. Here in Knoxville, we love it when a squirrel's in the checkerboards. But when there's a squirrel in our attic, that's all sides. When that happens, call Alpha Wildlife. They're Knoxville's veteran-owned and operated wildlife removal company. When unwanted critters put their feet up on your coffee table, call 865-224-6555. Let the Tennessee fans at Alpha Wildlife evict those unwanted tenants and set your home up with a winning defense to keep that wildlife where it belongs. That's Alpha Wildlife at 865-224-6555. They have locations in Nashville, Memphis, Chattanooga, and in parts of South Carolina. Check them out online at alphawildlife.com. 
What's up, fellas? It's Swain. When it comes to health, there are numbers every man needs to know, including your testosterone number. I recommend going to Low T Center. They make it quick and easy to get your levels checked, and it's only $25. You walk in, take a simple blood test, and with their on-site lab, you'll know your results in 25 minutes. Low testosterone levels can make you feel tired and grumpy, can cause lack of motivation and drive. It can raise your cholesterol, cause weight gain, and loss of muscle mass. Go to LowTCenter.com now to book your appointment. Low T Center, reinventing men's healthcare. Dead End Barbecue has you covered when you need the food to be on point for your next event. Go to deadendbbq.com to learn more or call 865-414-9417. Dead End Barbecue, the catering search is over. Hey there, Swainament crew. Just like fall sports, the Knoxville area real estate market is strong and growing stronger. We're in everything region. When you get the big orange itch to buy, sell, or invest, call me, Jennifer Morris with Keller Williams Realty at 865 865- Two five seven seven eight nine seven, or email me at jennifermorris865 at gmail.com. Go Vols! Looking for a different way to enjoy the show? Yes! Then check out Swain Event TV on YouTube. Swain Event and SwainEvent.com, fueled by Dead End Barbecue, top 100 barbecue restaurant in America. Ben McKee, Go Vols 247. I'm Jason Swain, live in the Low T Center studio. Let's get back to the phones, and uh, let's see who we have with us this morning. Good morning. Who do we have? Guys, it could be worse. We could be Bama's fan base right now. Oh, boy. Not good look, some of those guys in that Bama game. I didn't even uh, I didn't even bother to check the uh, police blotter. Wonder if anybody got shot. Oh man, they uh, they go all out down there, man. Little 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 extreme to the max down there. But um, I, the season's not over for Alabama. They still got a chance to do something special. <laughs> I don't want them to do anything special. I, no, want I don't either. About two more games. <laughs> I don't either. But they're reacting like the season is over, and it's not over. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Guys, uh, is it a little worrisome that two games in, we're already having a players meeting? I don't think that's a players meeting that that people think it is. Like, there's players meetings where the wheels are falling off and you, you, you got to have a coming to Jesus meeting. Mm-hmm. You have those, and then you have meetings where you just, hey, man, let's, let's talk on the same page. Which you got to love social media. <laughs> yeah, like that's that's why I engage in engage in it because I got I got some questions on there. I think I was mentioned on one. Can you confirm this? Nope. No, I can't. <laughs> I, somebody else want to put it out and make it seem like that you know it's a big deal. Then they can confirm it. They can do it. I'm not because. If you're if you're meeting together as a with players, that's a players meeting, and that's what you want. I said that in the first uh, segment that the receivers and the quarterback got to get on the same page and talk. That's a players meeting, <laughs> but that's a different players meeting than losing and pl- players looking like they quit and having all this drama, and you have your leaders checking couple players to make sure that they fall in line like that's totally different so i think sometimes right. we associate players meeting with negative 
oh, it's negative. It's negative. Right. It's, it's you know, the bottom has fell out. Oh, it's, it's a mutiny. Oh, man, the coach lost control. That's not this players meeting. Dwayne, tell me if I'm off base, but I kind of feel like the reason for the lack of deep shots isn't, oh, we're holding back this, this, and this. I wonder if it's an offensive line issue. It could be. I mean, you're rotating guys in and out. Um, left left guard and center, and so it could be. It's it's one of the possibilities that I've mentioned. I mean, it, it could be that. It could be because you want to, you know, save it, which I don't know why, but it could be. That's why I'm I'm waiting till this weekend to get more of my questions answered instead of just blurting out answers and hoping it sticks on the wall. Like I'm I'm not I'm not gonna do that. I need to see right. what we do to open up SEC play where you got to have these plays to win. Because you don't you don't have to have those plays to beat Virginia and Austin P. but you got to have some deep shots. you got to have explosive plays to beat Florida and teams in the SEC. Yeah, because, I mean, you're not going to beat Florida kicking field goals. Mm-mm. That ain't never happened. No. Hey, Swain, before I go, it was, uh, it was good to hear from Jamel, and I hope he's keeping his headlights on. See you, <laughs> well, it's daytime, so I think we can feel confident for at least the next 11 hours. After that, I don't know. 865-255-03. All right, let's, get, let's hit this text box, B. I know you're looking at the text box. Um, B-Rad, 830, says, I'm worried about Boo Carter's commitment. Based on how we play or something else? I mean, there's so many opportunities for Boo to come in and, and make an impact on either side of the football. I'm a fan of him. I'm a fan of him on on all on offense. No bad, Ben. What you got? Based on him going to Colorado this weekend, uh, supposedly. Okay. Well, I mean, Colorado which got it going on right now. They they absolutely do. Fair concern now. I will say that Boo Carter is an excellent football player. Excellent football player. Very, very excited. I hope he matures both on and off the field to reach a point to where he can have an impact at any school he ends up being at. But I, there's no reason to be concerned about his commitment to Tennessee at the moment. Yeah, I feel like I saw him at, at the game. Um. This this past Saturday, and with all of our committed players, you better be prepared to continue to recruit those guys. And Dion has created a lot of excitement at Colorado. And if I was a recruit, I would want to see what it's see what it's like. I would take a peek. You know, I'm taking a little peek. Make sure. Being out here sounding like Tony Romo on that breakdown. Good job. Very informative. All right, little Romo. <laughs> Tony Romo uh, is not as well-liked as he once was, so I don't know if that's a compliment or not. But he's, people are kind of tired of Tony Romo. But he's respected. He, he is respected. I think people are, are tired of his little stick, though, that he's got going on over there. Yeah. Um, Sean P., 
Good morning, Swain. It's good to meet you at the Austin P event Friday night. Tuning in to listen to you and Ben break down the Florida matchup. Yep, I was at um, an event uh, Friday night. Austin P went by see my guy Gerald Harrison, AD Austin P. Got a chance to meet the baseball coach Austin P and the president and the, the, the football coach. I met uh, the football coach there. Like his energy, and uh, we saw the energy on Saturday on the sideline. I hope they're I hope they're successful. I like I like how they played us on Saturday. I respect how they played us on Saturday. I really do. Will Voss, the real question for this weekend is who will have the game of their life this weekend? Graham Mertz or his backup? Because we all know one of them will. Still think we win though. Hey, we've we've experienced a backup at Florida coming in and Leading Florida to a victory over us. So, as much as I want to go, get out of here, Will. I can't because it's happened before. Camden, Tennessee Vol says, the, uh, these Joe Milton haters killing me. I see someone on Twitter saying, it's time to give our other quarterback a chance. Ridiculous at this point from a fan's perspective who hasn't even seen practice. Yeah, I just, I've been doing this long enough. It's lazy. It's lazy. Because if you put somebody else in, all right, go put Nico in. He throws the ball on on, on time. I'm not saying that Joe has thrown the ball on time every time, but let's say Nico's hitting guys in the hands. They gonna catch it because Nico's ball is better. What does he have? Like a magic touch on his ball? Oh, let me let me guess. Let me guess. Let me let me guess this excuse. Joe throws it too hard. That's why the receivers are dropping it. The damn jug machines, you can pump up to 80 miles per hour and catch it. They ain't throwing hard. And if I'm a receiver, I want Joe throwing the ball hard to me if I'm running the curl route, if I'm running the dig route. Because the ball's getting there quick. That gives me more time to make a guy miss. I got more separation. But if the ball's getting there in snail mail, as soon as I catch the ball, I'm getting tackled. Some of it's Joe, some of it's not. When it when it's when we hit a stretch where you can say, all right, man, everybody else is doing their job, but this one guy's not doing his and it's costing us, that's when you make a change. 2021, we go down to the swamp. Everyone does their job on fourth down. The ball was delivered, delivered to a wide receiver on fourth down. He dropped it. That was it. We didn't see him anymore. He stopped doing his job. He was replaced. But when you don't do your job and everybody else is doing theirs, that's when you get replaced. But if you ain't doing your job on one play, then the other guys ain't doing their job on one play, then the other guys not doing their job on another play, that doesn't constitute for you to be replaced. So that's just folks. It's just just being lazy with hot takes. I'm looking more at the wide receivers because it ain't just drops. It's holding and fumbles. You need to get no. them together, guys. And I love you. We, we talk. 
we, we talked about this earlier, but Saturday was Saturday. I, I think it was, it, it's fair to criticize Joe's performance against Austin P. Nobody is saying that it's not fair to criticize his performance against Austin P. We expect more from Joe Milton against that level of competition where we disagree is from the people who are solely putting it on Joe. It's not solely on Joe. It's the passing attack as a whole. Everybody needs to step up and, and make more plays. And and as I said earlier, if we want to talk about this from, from the glass half full approach, they're not far off. And again, that was Joe's, in my opinion, his first game since the new Joe to start the 2022 season in which he kind of looked like old Joe in terms of the accuracy, not showing up. He has been accurate with the football since the start of the 2022 season. And he has made good decision after good decision after good decision. And that should give you hope that Joe is going to be just, just fine. He's, he's going to be perfectly fine the rest of the way. I, I would be surprised if, if he doesn't, get this thing going in the right direction. And and honestly, there, there's so many reasons I, I feel that way. But the, the two biggest reasons is against Vanderbilt last year, against Clemson last year, against Virginia last week, he has showed touch on passes. He has showed the ability to throw the changeup. He has thrown guys open. He is throwing with anticipation. He, he's doing things that you want to see from a quarterback and and you want to know when a quarterback is really in a good place? It's when he is taking what the defense is giving him and rolling with that and, and not trying to force things. And that's what Joe has done so well these first two weeks. I, I'm sure that he would sit there and love to chunk it 100 yards down the field to, to score white for a bomb. Uh, I'm, I'm sure he would love to throw it to Keaton again down the field and Keaton catch it this time, unlike the Virginia game. But the defense isn't really given them a, a ton of opportunities to, to do so. Not to say that you couldn't still throw one or two down the field, like Swain talked about earlier against cover two looks or, or high safety looks or, or whatnot. But when a quarterback is, is taking what the defense is, is giving him, whether it be intermediate throws over the middle of the field or, or dropping it off to the back out of the backfield, Instead of forcing a throw, and that's when you get yourself in trouble and start to turn the football over, that's when a quarterback is in a really, really good place mentally and when he's seeing things really well. His pre-snap process is 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 on point. His post-snap process is, is what it needs to be. And that's why you heard Josh Heupel and Joey Halsley last week compliment Joe for dropping it off to Dylan Sampson on that fourth and nine to score the first touchdown of the game against Virginia because he could have sat there and forced it in the triple coverage against Virginia in the end zone but it would not have been completed for a touchdown instead he hits Dylan Sampson on a release into the flat out of the backfield hits him in stride allows him to make a guy miss and he ends up scoring a touchdown He's making very, very sound decisions and actually playing the quarterback position at a really high level right now. He just needs to get a little more on page with his receivers and start hitting those throws over the intermediate part of the field. And when they do that, like this offense is, is going to take off, I feel like, because that's going to complement the running game really, really well. And Joe's too talented, and these receivers are far too talented to not get this thing figured out. After the game, during the post-game press conference or the post-game um, interview session, I mean, I've talked to Joe, Joe and Aaron Beasley. Joe had good plays. 
was able to identify the good plays. He was also able to identify where he needs to improve. And everybody does that. Like a B game is just not good enough. I'm not saying Joe had a B game uh, against Austin Pia, but I'm saying like athletes are mo- more focused on what they can do to improve rather than what they did that was good. Like that's the focus is always continue to get better. And Joe is accountable. Joe understands. So let him go get better. Just like everybody else is going to say, they got to be better. Um, so I handle all the post-game interviews with the players, with all network. And the last two games, um, I've talked to the players. And I'll do it again down at the Swamp. And so I'm uh, pretty sure I'll talk to Joe Milton again. Usually the quarterback is one that talks to the media the, the most. Joe's going to be okay. But everybody else got a job to do too. And they got to be better. Uh, let's see here. Camden Tennessee Vol says, uh, where's Dante Thornton? I expected to see his, this electric newcomer to our team. Does he have a breakout game soon? I thought he was projected to be our main deep threat. Um, I'm, I think a lot of people are wondering the same thing. So, I mean, that, that was a, you know, rough drop on the sideline. I mean, there's some drops where it's more understandable to others because drops are really when you take your eyes off the football because you're trying to run before you catch it and tuck it. And that drop for, for Thornton was hard because you're not going anywhere. You're just catching it and stepping out of bounds. So you, there's really no need to try to turn up field when you're just going to catch it and step out of bounds anyways. So the focus should have been on that football the whole entire time. And it was a great pass from Joe. Great play from Joe. Uh, Blevins, Matt Blevins on the text box, as I'm sure everyone listens, knows football pretty well. But even Patrick Mahomes has talked about how it's taking him multiple years to figure out how to attack the too high look. And to this day, NFL defenses prefer to use it against him. Football is hard and too many people treat real players and their performances like it's a video game. Yeah, when you have a potent offense, you want to try to run to safety high while being able to hold up in the trenches versus a run. And if you could do that, you give yourself a chance to win. If you're an offense and you can't run the football versus cover two, you're going to be in a world of hurt. It's going to be really hard to have success. Uh, Louisiana Vols says Joe was 21-33 with a lot of drop passes. No one should get a pass. Just go do better. Running back dropped the screen. That could have been a touchdown. Romel fumbled. Two touchdowns off the board with fundamentals. Can't disagree there. Uh, Dino Vall says, why don't our DBs get better? Is Martinez not the answer? They never turn their heads. Uh, sometimes they're not supposed to turn their head, guys. Sometimes they're not supposed to turn their heads. I'll say that again. Sometimes... You're not supposed to turn your head. It's a DB. Because when you're running alongside a receiver and you look back too early because the DB doesn't know if it's a 
back shoulder, under throw, or throw over the top. So your DB, you're running with the receiver. 1,001, 1,002, 1,003. And let's say your internal clock says, all right, by 1,003, the ball should be coming out. Let me look and see where it is. <laughs> and while you're looking, you're slowing down. You always slow down when you look. And let's say that ball is thrown over the top, but you as a DB are anticipating a shorter throw. Well, now you've given up three or four yards separation where before when you was looking, or not looking, excuse me, you was right there in the hip pocket. So from a technique standpoint, DBs are taught sometimes not to look and play through the hands of the wide receiver. A receiver's eyes get big when the ball is coming, and you know that as a DB. You can't catch the ball without hands, and you can't catch the ball unless you have your hands up. So you have to play the receiver's hands. There are other times when you need to flip your head around and look up. You got to know where you are in a football field. If you know that the receiver's running out of real estate, you may not have to worry about them throwing over the top because the ball will be out of bounds. But I thought Kamal did a really good job coming back getting his head around, pinning the receiver to the sideline, and getting the pick. High point in the football. So from a technique standpoint, it's not the biggest issue. He just got to continue to play, play confident. So there are times when DB should not look for the ball, should not turn their head around. There are times. Not every time, but there are times. And look. Look, 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 look and watch other games. Watch NFL, watch college. You're going to see that technique play. Uh, not Romel, but Kamal just has to do a really good job of playing the receiver's hands, playing with confidence, and timing it up. D Mills. Yep, like I always say, coaches call plays, players got to execute it. Jennifer Morris, think we'll see Samson this weekend against Florida. Couldn't figure out why he hasn't. Well, he wasn't out there much against Austin P since he balled out versus Virginia. Well, I feel like he had a touchdown, extra touchdown versus Virginia because uh, Jabari Smalls tapped his helmet there to ten the yard line or so to get out because he ran a couple different plays and he was huffing and puffing. And so Dylan came in and got him an easy free touchdown. Um, There's one when Jalen did the same thing as well. Yeah, so I think Dylan got two touchdowns. First game of the season, it's hot. Those guys ran about four or five plays in a row, got the ball, and just didn't want to play tired in that moment. Yeah, you're going to miss out on touchdown, but you'd rather get out, give it to someone that's fresh, than run a lazy route or have a lazy run because you're tired. So Dylan had three carries, which, yes, that doesn't sound like a lot because I want to say last week he had 11 and then played 10 snaps, uh, one target. So yeah, that's, 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 that's not a lot compared to compared to Virginia. So you got to find a way if you're dealing um, to do what you can in practice to make sure that you that you get more opportunities uh, out there for sure. A six, five, 255. Oh, uh, three. 
Very, very important. Conversation that's going on inside of sports and outside of sports. And that conversation is about mental health. Mental illness can dictate every aspect of our lives, making it, it very difficult. We feel helpless. We feel like things are out of control. This is why it's important that you know that mind-body wellness offers effective mental health treatment in an outpatient setting. I personally have experienced the benefits uh, of therapy, talking it out instead of holding it in. But it all started with that first step. I'll be honest. I was a little hesitant at first. I was thinking about it, thinking about it, thinking about it, putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. And then I took the first step, did it. And it's something that I continue to do uh, on a weekly basis, bi-weekly basis, uh, monthly basis, just depending on situations. But like, yeah, I, I see a therapist and I encourage you to do the same thing if that's something you feel like you need. The first step, don't wait, take action today. Mind Body Wellness here in Knoxville, they are accessible, they are affordable, they are available. It's okay not to be okay. The strength, the real strength is recognizing that you're not okay and doing something about it instead of ignoring it and thinking it's just going to go away. Visit their website, mindbodyknoxville.com. Schedule a mental wellness assessment today. 865-255-03. Florida Gators. Ain't got a lot, Ben. I feel like Tennessee was going to beat the brakes off Florida about two or three scores a couple weeks ago. And I still feel like Tennessee's going to win, but I'm not as confident that's going to be a beat there. And that's nah, okay. I feel the same way. Yeah. And that's okay. Then that's all right. 865-255-03. Ben McKee, Go Vols 247. I'm Jason Swain. Be right back. What's up, Swain Event family? It's great to be on board. This is Taylor Hawkins with Modern Woodman Fraternal Financial, and I have one question for you. When was the last time you have slowed down and evaluated your financial situation? Just like the Vols, a great game plan leads to victory. Let us help you achieve your financial goals with a custom-made game plan. No matter what stage of life you're in, protecting your family and hard-earned money is important. So let one of our local and trusted financial professionals secure your future by visiting one of our 10 branch offices across Tennessee or give us a call locally at 865-312-5638. And remember, go Vols. Registered representative and investment advisor, representative offering securities and advisory services through NWA Financial Services, Inc., a wholly owned subsidiary of Modern Woodmen of America, member of INCRA, SIPC. Hey there, Swain Event fam. If you're currently renting and just about priced out of your place, give me a call. Jennifer Morris with Keller Williams Realty at 865-257-7897. You may be able to buy a home and have monthly payments less than your rent. And wouldn't you rather pay your own mortgage than someone else's? Hope to hear from you soon and go Vols. Here in Knoxville, we love it when a squirrel's in the checkerboards. But when there's a squirrel in our attic, that's all sides. When that happens, call Alpha Wildlife. 
They're Knoxville's veteran-owned and operated wildlife removal company. When unwanted critters put their feet up on your coffee table, call 865-224-6555. Let the Tennessee fans at Alpha Wildlife evict those unwanted tenants and set your home up with a winning defense to keep that wildlife where it belongs. That's Alpha Wildlife at 865-224-6555. They have locations in Nashville, Memphis, Chattanooga, and in parts of South Carolina. Check them out online at alphawildlife.com. We're here with Dr. Michael Carlson of Tennessee Regenerative Sports Medicine to discuss stem cell treatment and PRP. If you have orthopedic injuries, you should give them a call. That's right, Jason. We specialize in regenerative non-surgical orthopedics. So we treat damaged tendons, ligaments, and joints by using ultrasound-guided injections with stem cells or PRP. And this form of treatment actually stimulates the body's own reparative process and allows for healing of the damaged tissue. So, Doc, what makes your training different than others? Well, Jason, I've been practicing in Knoxville for 26 years, and I'm certified in interventional regenerative orthopedic medicine through the American Academy of Orthopedic Medicine. At Tennessee Regenerative Sports Medicine, I'm the one doing the procedure, and we're using your own bone marrow stem cells or PRP. So in other words, it comes from you and it goes back to you. So you know exactly what you're getting and know exactly the level of training involved. Tennessee Regenerative Sports Medicine, trsportsmedicine.com, East Tennessee's leader in PRP and stem cell therapy. When you are craving some quality barbecue, there's only one place to go. Dead End Barbecue. Dead End Barbecue has been featured on ESPN's Taste of the Town, the first barbecue restaurant on the SEC Network, CBS Sports, Headline News Tailgate Show, Amazon Prime's The Restaurant Comeback, Food Paradise, and named one of the top 100 barbecue restaurants in America. The search is over. Dead End Barbecue is located on 3621 Sutherland Avenue right here in Knoxville. You can even have it delivered right to your door through Chow Now. Visit their website at deadendbbq.com. Dead End Barbecue. The search is over. The conversation doesn't stop when the show is over. Follow the Swain event on Twitter and like this show on Facebook. Let's go play. Let's go play some football. Probably what you want to do if you are on the Tennessee squad after Austin B game. You want that weird taste out of your mouth. It's a win, but it's a game where you didn't play your best. And uh, I hate to have to even say this, Ben, but I guess I do. There's not a win ever. That should feel like a loss. Ever. Ever. You may want to play better when you win. But a loss is a loss. Whether you play good or whether you play bad. You lost the game. And I saw some stuff that blew my mind since Saturday. Folks trying to create content and conversation. Asking the question about, is this win like a loss? What? What What are we doing? What are we talking about? Have we ever played sports? A win is a win. You can not feel great about the win because you didn't play the way you wanted to play, but it's still a damn win. Come on, man. We got to be better. 
we gotta be better. We can we can create conversation without sounding like an idiot. Like I played some games where we we kind of played down the competition and won the game. And I played against some teams where we played pretty dang good and lost. 2004 Auburn. We gave Auburn our best shot in the SC Championship game. You know what? That team was good. They was undefeated. And they still beat us. And I remember how I felt after that game in Atlanta. And I remember how I felt after beating UAB barely in 2005 to open the season. And I can tell you right now, the loss versus Auburn was worse. <laughs> I, I mean... I mean, Ben, you play sports. What? I'm not. I I I don't get it either. I I, people are passionate, and that can lead to emotions being higher than than normal, especially on a Saturday, especially if alcohol has been involved. But yeah, I'm with you. There's there's been quite the overreaction, in in my opinion. Uh, For for me how I feel is exactly what you said going into the break going into Austin P I was thinking, man, I, I think Tennessee's 14, 20 points better than Florida. And then that game made me reset my expectations. It didn't feel like a loss, but it made me reset my expectations. I still think Tennessee's going to go down there and win this football game on Saturday uh, because I, I think Tennessee's front seven is going to be able to slow down the run game of, of Florida. And if you can do that, I, I, I think that offense becomes very, very one-dimensional. And if it's a one-dimensional offense that has to throw the football uh, with Ricky Pearsall as their best receiver, I, I think that's a favorable matchup, even against a Tennessee secondary that that can be concerning at times and, and doesn't inspire a ton of confidence right now. That, that that's a matchup that favors Tennessee. And then I also think that Tennessee is going to be able to run the football uh, as well. And I think Joe Milton and the receivers are better than they showed on Saturday. So uh, it, it did kind of make me reset my expectations. Uh, and I think people are also viewing it through the prism of can this team compete with an Alabama? Can this team compete with a Georgia is it actually capable of competing for a championship this season? I, I think that's what is going through the mind of, of most people when they watch that performance on Saturday. Uh, but it, it, it doesn't, none of those things have anything to do with a loss that, that, that was like, people were talking about it as one of the worst performances of, of all time. And it's like, did you not watch Jeremy Pruitt lose to Georgia state? The, emotional. Not the same whatsoever. Emotional, man. Too emotional. That's, that's Too emotional. Like I think back to that North Texas game, UMass game under Butch. Like even in those wins, like they were not the same as what we saw on Saturday against Austin P. Yeah, too emotional. That, so when like a loss is a feel. Oh, uh, I'm not worried about. Um, Ricky Pearsall, I think he is a good player. I think he's solid. I don't think he can beat Tennessee. But Eugene Wilson, he a freshman now, and he made his mistakes against Utah. 
athletically, he has the tools to give you some problems at wide receiver for Florida. Because he's shifty, he's fast. He can make you miss. He can run away from you. Like, he's a guy that if I'm Tennessee secondary, I'm like, he may be a freshman, but don't sleep on him because he can make some big plays. And I think he will make big plays this year, just when and what game and what moment. You can see that flash in him watching that Utah game. Now, made some questionable decisions returning punts, you know, inside your own 10-yard line. But, like, that's something that can be corrected. And I'm sure in high school, it didn't bite him in the butt at all. But at this level, you can't you can't be doing that. And I'm sure they coached him up on that. And um, we may see him make different decisions than he did versus Utah. But on, on offense, they got the ball out to him on quick screens. And you can see his burst. So you might want to might want to watch out watch out for him. Uh, yes, ben, what, you, you what abs- is, go ahead. I was about to ask you what is C Mac talking about in text box. Uh, I don't. <laughs> I I just read that message, uh, and I was I was confused as well. While you try to decipher uh, C Mac's meaning, I was going to encourage the the great people to reach out to Jennifer Morris if they're in the Knoxville area looking to buy or sell a home. And uh, she wanted me to give a shout out to one of our listeners here on the Swain event, Rob and Tupelo. Rob, uh, Jennifer's husband uh, was in Tupelo a couple of weeks ago and happened to to bump in to to this Rob who who listens to to the Swain event and said that he loves the loves the show. So uh, Jennifer, the great Jennifer Morris, wanted to give a shout out uh, to Rob from Tupelo, who uh, happened to bump into to Jennifer's husband a couple of weekends ago. Uh, real quick, one last thing that I want to touch on that I think we need to at least mention on the way out the door is, do you think that Tennessee was playing down to competition on Saturday? I, I know the play on the field might suggest that, and Joe even had some comments after the game. It's just it's surprising to me because we haven't seen – a Josh Heupel team really played down to competition. Like his teams are, are always ready. And I'm not at all saying, Oh, this is on Josh Heupel for, for not having the guys ready to play. I, I don't necessarily believe that, but it, it was just surprising. Cause you, you haven't seen that from a Josh Heupel team to start his tenure at Tennessee. And also do you think the weird start with the weather delay maybe impacted anything? Not a, maybe it 1000% impacted. And we 1,000% play down the competition. So, um, you know, that's, that's every coach's fear when you play a team like an Austin P or, or Virginia. Uh, there's pluses and minuses. There's advantages and disadvantages of playing those type of games. It could be a tune-up game for you, but at the same time, like, the level of intensity is not going to be the same as when you play Florida, Georgia, or Alabama. Just not. Because it ain't in the stands either. I mean, it wasn't the, the same level of intensity uh, at all. Like, walking through campus, you can tell the difference between playing an SEC game versus Alabama. Like, I, when we play South Carolina, you're going to be able to tell. Walking through campus, tailgates, pregame, you're going to be able to tell. And the players feed off that. So, yeah, I mean, we definitely play down the competition. And I think, when you go out and you warm up 
you go back in, and then there's a 30-minute delay. You come back out, and you're not running through the tee, which is what you're used to doing every home game. And then you have another 15 minutes to warm up. By that time, it's an hour before you actually play the game. Yeah, that that, that impacts you. It affects you. I've been through that. Um, my senior year against Marshall, there was a lightning storm, and you know we had to sit up in there in the locker room and wait and come back out and stretch again. And you know, we had a little bit of a slow start. It was right, it was still raining. Um, we still won the game, but yeah, like it, it impacts you. Um I saw some people like the they should have ran through the tee. Huh? It's a lightning delay. It was it's lightning in the area. The band members have instruments, man. They were they were under shelter. What are you what are you talking about? <laughs> huh? So the band's supposed to come back out, go through their performance? And then form the T at the end of their performance to run through the T. No, you gotta play the game. The game is already late. You gotta play it. You can't run through the T now. So yeah, I feel like that has something to do with um, the performance. I think we got spoiled too. We got spoiled. You know, but it's a good thing when you start doing score predictions and people are like, "Man, I, hey." I think the score's going to be 63 to 7. <laughs> like, we got spoiled because Hypo has been so consistent offensively. We expect 40 points. We expect 50 points because that's what we've seen for the first two years on the Hypo. And on Saturday, what happened happens to every school that's really good playing against a bad team. At some point, you're going to have one of those games. It's happened in Alabama. It's happened in Georgia. It happened last year, Georgia. Georgia had a performance against a, a team. I can go back and look at the schedule and tell you exactly who it is. Give me five seconds. And folks looked at that score and said, oh, man. And Georgia, Georgia, Georgia had trouble against against an offense that's kind of similar to, to, to Tennessee's. Man, that means Tennessee, who is better than the team that Georgia beat, should be able to go in there and have a chance to beat Georgia. Well, t- Georgia's win over Tennessee was more convincing than their win over Kent State last year, who they beat 39-22. Remember that game? Remember that, Ben? Yep. Georgia also uh, struggled this weekend. They were up three to nothing on whatever terrible team they played, like early in the second quarter. Yeah. So, like, it it happens. It happens. So, you, you move forward. You learn from it while being undefeated because you won the game. And you're glad no one got seriously hurt in the game. You're hopeful that. K Mays, Cooper Mays, excuse me, Cooper Mays can can go and give you give you a lot there to send a position. But last year, Tennessee's offense wasn't hitting on all cylinders either after two games. And you look at Joe Milton's numbers at the two games, you look at Hendon's numbers at the two games, and it ain't that far off. And Joe got way more drops. 
So let's let's let it play out. Let's see what happens on on Saturday. And I know one thing: you you you, you better not lose a Florida. Better not lose a Florida down there. One of Florida's worst teams ever. Got to get the win. Got to find a way. I, to I win. just hope that you are able to survive because for for years on the Swain event, you have talked about how you will never go out of town to Alabama or Florida or Georgia because you didn't want to get it get into a situation with a fan. So I I just hope that you're able to go down there and be okay and survive and, and make it out of the swamp. You know, I'm going to be fine because I'm isolated from the fans, just like the, the players. Uh, buddy, that that uh, that uh that sideline is right on top of the stands. Oh, no. I've been there twice as a player. Like, I, like I, I, I get it. But it's different for me being on the sidelines working versus me being a Tennessee fan in the stands with Florida fans. Can't Plus, wait till a Florida fan yell yell something at you, and I look down there and swings. I'm not gonna hear it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna hear it. I'm not gonna hear it. Mm-hmm. We'll see. I'm not gonna hear it, man. I'm listening. To I, the I know you're counting down the days to, to go to Tuscaloosa next month. I, hey, I'm listening to the Dude. broadcast during the game. I don't hear anyone what anyone's saying to me unless I take my ear piece out. And the only time I take it out is when someone that's wearing orange is talking to me. <laughs> so I ain't got nothing to worry about. I'm good. I'm good, Ben. Thanks for the concern, though. You're welcome. See if I'll be down there though. So if, if if you need me to bail you out for some reason, Mm-mm. I'll uh I'll I'll scrounge together some funds to come get you. No, nah, I'm good, man. I don't need that. I'm good to go. I I know you don't want to be stuck in a jail cell with some jort wearing Florida fans. No, nah, I have to worry about that, man. I will keep my composure. I will be fine because I won't hear anything. I'm good to go, and I shouldn't have to worry about that because I expect Tennessee to handle business and not give any Florida fans a reason make any sideways comments that I won't hear anyways. Thursday, 8 a.m. We'll do this again. Swain Events, fueled by Dead End Barbecue, top 100 barbecue restaurant uh, in America. Right now at Hiller. 50% off, half off month at Hiller on your tune-ups. Again, they are 50% off this month. Hiller is making it easier than ever to tackle those necessary home replacements give you 50% off select add-on items. More details go online to the website at happyhiller.com. Hiller's work is backed by their services free guarantee. Happy you'll be or the service is free. For Ben McKee of Go Falls 247, I'm Jason Swain. Hope y'all have a great Tuesday. Peace and much love. We are out.